Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Rough Draft. I'm here with Tyler Barton. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. Uh, my name is Tyler Barton. Uh, I am a writer, primarily of short fiction, uh, and I right now live in the Adirondacks of uh, upstate New York. And I work at the Adirondack Center for Writing, which is a um, nonprofit literary organization based in Saranac Lake, New York. Oh, cool. Are yeah. you familiar with anything here at York, or is this your first time here actually like exploring? Um, I have been to York a couple times. Uh, my wife, Erin, who's a poet, she's here too. Uh, we have visited classes here for the last few years. And back in 2018, Erin uh, had her first book of poetry come out, and we both came and gave a reading for that. So now that my first book of short stories is out, we're like here to, we're here again, uh, kind of as a pair, as a duo, to talk about all things um, writing, but also writing community and teaching and things like that. So. Cool. That's, that's awesome. I wanted to, that's a great segue because I wanted to talk to you about what it's like to be a writer. Like, when did you start writing professionally? Sure. Well, that's an interesting term for it. So I started taking writing seriously after I graduated from college, I, uh, my undergraduate degree, which mm -hmm. I went to Millersville University in Lancaster. And there was a writing club there that I started with some friends uh, that was like a became a university club and we ran a literary magazine. We did events on campus. Writing was my main hobby and passion, but I was training to be an English teacher. Okay. And I taught English for a couple years after college, but uh, it ended up not being the right field for me. Right. And uh, during that time, I thought that I really wanted to make a move to take my writing life more seriously mm -hmm. uh, and make it less of a hobby and make it the central thing that I'm spending my time on. Right. So that uh, pushed me to apply to MFA programs, and I did that and applied to only schools that had full funding because I really, though I know the importance of studying writing, and I think it, I think it matters. I know that it's like not a great investment sometimes <laughs> to go to an MFA. Right. So I was like, I'm gonna only apply to places that have full funding. So I got rejected from a lot, but I did get into one with an assistantship and I went to Mankato, uh, Minnesota, the University of, uh, <laughs> the University of, uh, or sorry, Minnesota State University, Mankato. And so I was there for a few years. And all that time I was publishing short stories in, in literary journals and online and magazines and sometimes getting paid for it, but oftentimes not. Yeah. So it's hard to say if it was professional at that point. But um, towards the end of my time at grad school, I started publishing in, in bigger journals and being paid for my work. Mm -hmm. And I had a chat book of stories come out in 2018. So I'd say professionally, meaning like I have a book that people can buy, yeah. I can get booked to go do readings or uh, talk to at colleges, probably three or four years, honestly. Cool. But wow, that's great. Yeah. You talked about how you were studying to become an English teacher before you d decided that you wanted to be a writer. Right. Um, I feel like that's what a lot of writing and English majors struggle with because yeah. they realize, what am I going to do with this career? I'm really passionate about it, but I don't know my opportunities. What do you think should be implemented in schools in order to show young writers and uh, young literature majors like that there are opportunities for them outside of becoming a teacher? Yeah, right. So uh, um, I really think the best way to do it is to have um, people who are writing and also working in kind of a writing adjacent or education adjacent field come in and, and meet students and talk to them. Uh, I have had a number of jobs since uh, leaving teaching high school that are all like quasi-education mm -hmm. or nonprofit work, cultural institutions. So 
Um, I taught, or I worked for a while at different children's museums as like a museum mm -hmm. educator. So education is kind of like in my bones as a professional, but uh, I found that the way I work best with education is when it's outside of like a major institution. So at like a children's museum, I worked at the Nature and Science Museum in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's called the North Museum for a couple of years as the education manager. Uh, every doing everything from leading tours around the museum with groups of kids mm -hmm. to helping run science fairs. Um, so I'm using a lot of the things that I actually learned in my program. But um, when I was at Millersville, they never were like, "Oh, here's all these other careers that are like adjacent to education right, that right. don't aren't quite the same." And now that I'm kind of more firmly planted in like arts nonprofits, I worked at the Pennsylvania College of Art and Design for a couple of years. Um, doing community classes, community art classes, and mm -hmm. running those classes. Um, not teaching so much as administering them. And now I work at a um, writing center in the Adirondacks that does writing programming in schools and prisons and uh, readings and story slams. And it's really kind of a dream job because I've always wanted to marry my passion for literary work with uh, my professional work. Right. But that's all to say that I've been writing that entire time um, in my spare time you know I write yeah. in the spare time and I do readings in the evenings but like I can't I don't see any future where like my writing is going to completely be the only thing that I do and I don't yeah. work and that's kind of the reality that I think is important to tell people it may be discouraging to some to be like <laughs> yeah totally you're not going to be able to be JK Rowling necessarily right. but there are thousands and thousands of writers who are in doing what they love and enjoying it but they also they also teach or they also mm -hmm. Um, work in museums or they work in sometimes completely other stuff like I know a lot of writers uh, who actually work as copywriters or work in advertising right and they can still it allows them to make a good paycheck but still write in their spare time so there's there's a million different ways to go with it I think the skills that you learn as a writer and as a teacher mm -hmm. are sort of just applicable to everything because knowing like having a facility with language and being able to express yourself that's valuable to like so many different organizations and businesses yeah. and companies and it's kind of hard to tell that story sometimes in the classroom but well yeah I, I agree and I think that like you know when people think of a writer they think of an author you know like JK Rowling and yeah um like Tolkien like you're not it, it is it is a it is a harsh reality but like being a writer could also mean like being like a technical writer for a company yeah, or something true. like that like the opportunities that you have are vast but like you know me being a literary major and stuff like that i don't think that we're just really given the opportunities that we need at a young age in order to pursue it yeah um long term right um in light of that though i wanted to ask you about like how you stay motivated and passionate about writing when you know that like it's a little bit difficult to like be published or like you know what i mean like at right. that point you've been writing for so long I I haven't been writing for very long, but like sometimes I feel like what I'm writing is becoming redundant and I'm starting to find that like I can't really grasp any inspiration for my writing. How mm. do you do that? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's tough sometimes, you know, uh, rejection, doubt and imposter syndrome and all of those things are just endemic to being a writer. It's almost like you can't be a writer. It, you probably wouldn't be a good writer if you weren't feeling those feelings right. at times. Like, it's just part of being like a self-aware, smart person is that you realize that like failure is, a, is, um, is part of the, the uh, it's, it's part of it. It's like baked in. So yeah. you have to experience so much failure and so much um, struggle to kind of like reach the successes. So 
I often say, you know, for every 10 stories that I start to write that fail, like the uh, the 11th one isn't just that I got lucky, it's that I had to write those 10 stories that didn't yeah. work for the 11th one to work. And um, I've been submitting my work for almost a decade now, and I have have so many rejections, but I also have had a great number of publications, and mm -hmm. it's because I just didn't stop, I didn't stop sending stuff out. And it's a, yeah, it just takes like believing in yourself, which is, is hard sometimes, but what I find motivating more than anything is to meet other writers, spend time with other writers, yeah. and not necessarily for like networking, though networking does become helpful, especially when you have a book coming out or something, but mm -hmm. it's more, it's always been more relationship based with me, like I've met my best friends through writing, and I meet people writing who are also writing the similar stuff for, that I write online mm -hmm. through publishing and literary journals, and those relationships have become friendships, and then they yeah. also lead to opportunities. And just from being around writers, when I see others working, it inspires me to do to write better, to yeah. write, uh, to take it more seriously. And if I see a friend, uh, you know, they break through and they get a book published, like that inspires mm -hmm. me. I'm I'm happy for them, but it also makes me think like, oh, it's possible for me too. Yeah. But if I was trapped in a room, not meeting other writers, kind of like, well, I some some people I think think writers are like solitary people who just like are like Emily Dickinson like living yeah. in a room and they never do and someday their their work gets discovered and they're a genius but it really has to do with building community and if you're not like an active part of the literary community and mm -hmm. doing things to build it you can really feel alone and I, right. I think that's where most people's motivation goes out the window so and it also seems like part of you know being a little bit more successful is just producing as much content as you can and something that you're confident in yeah um so have you ever considered your writing, because you've written so much, more of a chore rather than like an outlet of expression? You're like, oh, I have to write something mm. because I want, I want to publish this. I want somebody to notice my work right now. Yeah, the, the chore of it uh, for me sometimes is um, in, in the revision stages. I, I still have a complete, and I, I'm lucky to have this, I hope I always will, but mm -hmm. have a complete like childish sense of wonder about writing and drafting, like when it comes to like, I feel inspiration all the time from just like taking walks and, and noticing things or mm -hmm. overhearing conversations or having a conversation with a friend where the, the, the topics we bring up, I think this would make something really good to write yeah. about. Um, so I, I have no uh, problem with like inspiration. I actually have too many ideas and it comes <laughs> to the point that's the hardest is sitting down to like really get down to the bones of like, why is this story working or not working and how can I fix it? Right. That is sometimes exhausting or a little bit. Um, don't I'd say not so much a chore in terms of like like a doldrums or something, but more um, daunting sometimes. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I have this piece. I really like these three things about it, but it's not working for people who I share it with. I share it with my friends or with um, people in my program or something, and they're saying it's not working. But making it, getting it to the next step is that's hard. And revision is like I don't know. I I think it's really really the hardest part of writing. I love to draft things. I love starting new oh projects God, and I, I hate, hate I hate to finish things so <laughs> yeah or not that I, I do love the feeling of finishing it but it's, I leave a lot of things unfinished yeah. I think so but that's that's kind of the way I work and um, it leads to there being a lot of different short stories too so my right. book of short stories has it's 200 pages but it's got 20 stories in it so some stories are 25 pages long and some are a single page mm -hmm. long so I like to give myself the freedom to write flash or micro fiction um, which is fiction that's going to clock in under two or three pages. Mm -hmm. And then also, if a story has the right energy, I'll follow it to be like a 
page length. So right. uh, I think just being open also to exploring new genres. I write poetry from time to time whenever I feel stuck with fiction. I go back to the basics of like, not that poetry is basic. I think it's harder in many ways yeah. than fiction. But the basic like love of language. I yeah. have to remind myself that I love language and, and play with poetic ideas. And then that can sometimes recharge me to go back to writing fiction. So It yeah. sounds like you're more of like, you prefer to outline things. I know that there are some writers that just like to, I'm gonna start right now, I'm not gonna stop, I'm gonna write, and I'm gonna, whatever I have, I'm gonna do it all in one sitting. Yeah. I'm that type of person, yeah. because with me, it feels like if I stop, you can tell where I stopped and then yeah. where I started back up again. Right. How do you keep that consistency in your writing? Yeah, well, I would say I'm actually the opposite of what you were saying before. I don't outline, I really, it doesn't work for me. Once I, if I sit down to make an outline, I often, then it feels like a to-do list and yeah. it's like I have to do these things and it becomes super daunting. So I do try to stay very much in the moment with a work, with a piece and use the language in the story to kind of inspire the next steps and mm -hmm. try to just like stay with the energy of it. I know that sounds a little bit like no, I totally mystical, get it. but I'm not very good at like taking a step back and be like, if I want this story to be about uh, the dangers of late stage capitalism, I should make sure to make these points in the story yeah. and the character should do this. I, I can't work that way. I have to just write whatever's interesting. Mm -hmm. So, the, but what you're talking about is very true. I can only really write for about 40, 45 minutes a day because I uh, work. I mean, on weekends I can write more, but um, with working eight hours a day, I can squeeze in some writing time in the morning. So if I get two pages, I'm happy, but it is tough sometimes to go back to those two pages yeah. and pick up the same energy. But one um, technique that I found for that is to reread the last so even if you're working on a, a long project you're on mm -hmm. page 50 of it reread the last three pages maybe even read them aloud to try to get into the voice that you were in before and then keep going and i know someone else who does this it's harder for me to do but they'll actually take the last paragraph they wrote say they didn't write for a week yeah. and the la they go back to this piece they were working on last week they take the last paragraph they wrote they read it and then they delete it or maybe they like save it in another mm -hmm. file and they rewrite that paragraph so that they can kind of like ease themselves back into that's the a good technique yeah i also try to always end a writing session even if it's a 40 minute writing session i try to end with a note that's like write this next or this scene next yeah. so it's like i have something to pick up and, and i'm not like where was i going with this right if i can i do that so that yeah. can help yeah. i just feel like if you prolong it for like a certain amount of time a you get bored of it mm -hmm. and b at that time at that point like it, you don't even want to go back to it you're like mm, maybe i will maybe i won't yeah and especially with short stories i feel like um you want you want to write it all in one sitting because it is very clear if you do stop and start back up yeah well, that's, that's the thing. Sometimes, though, you have to think in the long term because um, though there might be these seams that end up in the story where, like, you wrote it in ten different settings and mm -hmm. it feels like there's these seams between the sections, you've got to, like, get through the first draft. And then the revision process, really, most stories that are in my book have gone through, you know, sometimes up to ten edits, but definitely at least five. And so... Once you start to go back and edit and revise, you kind of can smooth over those places. So mm -hmm. if you think of it like a like a painting or something, like the more you go back over it, you can you can kind of like smooth over seams and, and make things sound better. And um, I don't know, it doesn't always work that way, but <laughs> I think it can. Yeah. So your revision process is a lot more extensive than you, what really I've seen. Yeah. Um, I 
personally like I'm like okay so I look at like grammatical errors and if there's nothing you know that's like grammatically incorrect I'm like okay well maybe this is ready to publish or like maybe yeah. this is ready to go into the magazine but it's so much more extensive than that like yeah. what what are the like points that you would say that you take to like refine your writing yeah uh, I do a number of things the first thing is that I um even before I share, I often think that once I've got a, like the third draft of a piece, that's usually when I will share it with some people that I trust. Mm -hmm. uh, often uh, my partner, Aaron, she'll read my work and give me notes or people that I met in my MFA program or even friends that I've had since college at Millersville who are trusted readers. They know my work. They'll read it and they will be honest with me about what's not working. And then that's how I can um, kind of revise. But another thing I like to do, too, is read the piece out loud to myself. Um, in my room because uh, I'll often in early drafts I'll notice things um, that aren't working when I try to read it out loud mm -hmm. and some other tools that I think are helpful is to in a revision if if you feel like something's not right and you just don't know what it is I do like to do as an exercise to start over from scratch and see if I can write like the whole story in if it's a 10 page story I'm like well maybe I could write this as a one page like flash that like is just kind of like a rambling like what if I get it all out in one page what does that mm -hmm. look like and sometimes I learn something new about it by trying to write it in that form right. or even sometimes trying to write it as a poem and see what do I learn from doing it that way so switching genres a little bit um, but really yeah revision I think the biggest help is is having trusted readers who will give mm -hmm. you honest feedback and they're not just gonna be like this is lovely you're great you're so yeah. amazing <laughs> you know, it does feel good to have that, and yeah. you need that a little bit. You know, the best reader is going to say, here's what's working, here's what I had questions about, and here's what really distracted me. And mm -hmm. I try to at least answer some of those questions and definitely try to cut down on things that are distracting or confusing. You, the last right. thing I want is for someone to be too confused. So, yeah, um, so yeah you just got to gotta find your people and, and share your work with them because you can't really be your own editor and writer sometimes. I think yeah. at some point down the road, once you've been doing it for... 30 years you might be able to but mm -hmm. even like Margaret Atwood like she's got such a great relationship with her editor I'm certain I don't actually know this <laughs> but I'm certain that like her editor is is someone that she's sending work to and getting feedback yeah, and yeah. stuff so you need that person you know well lastly I wanted to talk to you about since you talked about switching genres in your writing. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of students that have a hard time like being an eclectic writer, so to say. You know, yeah. uh, so they stay in one bubble. For me, I like to write nonfiction pieces because it's easier to write about myself and like an anecdote than it is to write about like a, another character that you've developed. Yeah. So you said that you switch from your fiction writing to poetry sometimes yeah. when you find it difficult to um, keep writing the fiction piece. Mm -hmm. How do you transition so easily? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just because I read pretty widely. So I um, I think maybe it's not one-to-one, -one, but I do tend to read as much poetry as I do fiction. And I also read a lot of nonfiction. So they're just genres that I'm familiar with. And I, um, I can let go of things enough to be like, if this story, if this short story I'm working on right now, if it in the end it doesn't even work out and mm -hmm. I have to start something new. I've, I've done that so many times that I'm not, I don't feel precious about it. I'm like, right. Let's strip it down and see if it works as a poem. And if it doesn't, at least maybe I'll learn something from writing the poem. Mm -hmm. um, I think it just comes from experience. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing these things five years ago, um, like switching genres and stuff. And I sometimes will. I've been writing more and more about myself, even if it is fiction. And mm -hmm. I, so then sometimes I do have like an essay version of the story. Okay. And when I write it as an essay, I'm much more able to say out loud like the themes and like 
very directly what the emotions are and stuff that sometimes I'm not getting to in the fiction, and then that can help me when I go back to the story to be more honest about what the piece is about. But yeah, I think you just it comes with not being afraid to switch to try different genres, even if you're not thinking, oh, I'll publish this as a poem, but yeah. just what is the what does the story look like if it's more if the narrative is taken out and it's more about images and mm -hmm. what what can these images tell me about my work and yeah I think it's just good to remember that writers always are artists first so like mm -hmm. it our medium is words and like you know pen on paper or or text on the computer but like really we're artists so yeah. we should take influence from other art but also try it ourselves like even um, I had a really great visit during grad school from the cartoonist and writer Linda Berry. Mm -hmm. She came to visit our school and she did a writing workshop that almost 90% of the writing workshop was drawing and doing like just making shapes on paper and kind of like meditating while drawing. And then at the end she was like, all right, here's your writing prompt. Mm -hmm. You have five minutes. And the piece I wrote there was like a piece that ended up getting published. It was one of those weird things where all in one writing, all in one writing session, it all comes out. Mm -hmm. And it's, although I edited the lines a lot, it ended up being a piece that meant a lot to me and it really worked. But I think that it came out because we did like all these other forms of art before yeah. we started and yeah I think it's great to just be open about that kind of thing because it can really it can really open you up a little bit. All so, right. That's yeah. wonderful. Thank yeah. you for that. Of course. Um so I am going to give you some time to promote your your new book so sure. that you can let people know to buy as many copies as they can. Sure, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, um so my uh, short story collection this is my debut. It's my first um full-length book of Stories and it's called the Eternal Night at the. Sorry, I messed up my own title. It's called Eternal Night at the Nature Museum, and uh, it's coming out. Uh, it just came out on Tuesday from Saravan Books. They're a really great independent press based in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, I'm very proud to be publishing with them. They made a beautiful book. It's a book of 20 stories, and the stories all explore home in some way. So the book's in three sections. Many of the characters and stories in the first section are uh, have either lost their home or are currently homeless or really have no sense of what their home is. The stories in the middle of the book is a lot of people thinking about leaving home for some reason, one reason or another. They do have a place they belong, but they don't, they're not liking it there for some reason. And then the third section of the book is a lot of stories about people, to put it more mystically, are transcending the idea of home or finding home in new ways and things that aren't like an actual house or uh, finding a community as a home or finding uh, their art form is their home and things like that. So I'm trying to explore these different approaches to home and um, the book is very funny. There's like, uh, it's kind of wild and loud and out there. I like to call it in the vein of um, ridiculous realism, meaning everything that happens in the stories in Eternal Night at the Nature Museum, everything could happen, but probably wouldn't. It's a little right. bit heightened, like ridiculous, yeah. but nobody's growing wings or like, mm -hmm. you know, is, <laughs> has a hole in their stomach or something. You know, like they're real... Um, people, but they're in just kind of ridiculous situations. So there's stories about uh, people getting involved in cults and um, kids running away from home and uh, people living in assisted living facilities trying to escape. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's a really fun book, but it's also uh, it's also sad and dark at times, too. And I think I'm trying to juggle uh, being funny, but also being real. Right. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, make sure to buy Tyler's book and support him um, and make sure to tune in next week for another episode.